Hey, this is Tony Boss Bowling coming to you from the Lincoln Attic Podcast. Hey, hey, it's Jason ODB, the Lincoln Attic. Thank you so much for coming back. If you're new to the podcast, please subscribe. And we've got a jam-packed episode. I think this is technically episode 32. And we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. I want to thank our sponsors. I'll do that here in a moment. But... I want to start off with basically letting you guys know that this episode, we've got a guy on that goes by the name Jim Lincoln. So many of you know him as Jim. I met Jim at Ratfest 2022, which is kind of the Raddies event out in California. They make it like a whole weekend tied in with Cruising for a Cure, Ratfest on Sunday. The, the cruise in to the taco Mexican uh, spot. I mean, just fantastic, fantastic weekend. And again, I got to meet Jim. Jim's been a longtime follower of Lincoln Addict. And we've exchanged the messages back and forth. And I knew he would be a good guest. It was just a matter of making it happen. So we're going to do that on this episode. Of course, I'll also talk about the normal, what I call Lincoln Life Updates. So we'll go through those. I've got a a lot to share. I think you guys will really appreciate the episode. I would say this. If you're on uh, an app like Podbean or Pandora or Spotify, please give this podcast a thumbs up. If you're listening, like many of you do, through Apple Podcasts, which is that pre-installed podcast app, uh, please uh, tap on Library and uh, select Lincoln Addict. Scroll down and tap the five stars. If you want to go a step further, you can write a review. And I'll read those reviews on an upcoming episode. So I really appreciate those that take the time, number one, to leave a five-star rating. And if you want to go a step further, write a review. It, I really appreciate it. Uh, some of you consume this content on the actual lincolnaddict.podbean.com. That's the main landing page for the podcast since Podbean hosts it. Uh, please, if you're listening there, uh, continue to do so. You can find us through a mobile app. And if you're on YouTube, leave a thumbs up, leave a comment. Really appreciate it. Now, this episode and Lincoln Addict in general is brought to you by a few of the sponsors. So Devious Customs, if you need parts, including air suspension, hit up deviouscustoms.com. Colorado Custom Wheels, best in the business. They make the Lincoln replica wheels that look just like the hubcaps. That is the wheel that I'm running on my 64 Lincoln. They'll make them in custom sizes and different offsets. Uh, If you want that stock look, they will take care of you. These wheels are amazing. They're billet aluminum. Again, uh, Colorado Custom with no S.com. Steel Rubber, we've had them on in the past. I talk a lot about the difference in quality when we had them on between Steel Rubber and their competition and steel rubber makes the weather stripping that's so important for RVs, cars, and trucks, especially important for these Lincolns. It'll ensure that the wind noise is cut down as well as keeping the moisture out. Lastly, Griot's Garage. Uh, thanks to the team there, we also had Nick on. Uh, griotsgarage.com, G-R-I-O-T-S, garage.com. Hit them up, or if you're at uh, your local uh you know, part supplier or your local store that sells detail products, pick up Griot's Garage. They're the best in the business. So again, on this episode, as I mentioned, Jim Lincoln, and uh, I'll cover the normal Lincoln updates. Now, 
as we get into it, uh, I want to start with the previous episode recap. And the reason why I want to do this quickly is I want, if you're a new listener, for you to say, hey, look, let's go back and let's listen. And I had David Escalante on about two weeks ago. Uh, it was a pleasure, David, again, tip of the cap. I can't thank you enough for coming on, but you also contributed to the show in a very unique way. And that was by calling upon some of your kinfolk, right? Some of our brothers in this Lincoln community, as we refer to it as. And that was very, very cool. So uh, to all of the guys that took a minute to pick up the phone and to chat a few minutes, thank you. If you're new to the podcast, don't stop here. Let it roll through your podcast app or go back to episode 31. Got a few years worth of content out there all the way back to episode number one. And if you're listening in a way that you want to go back, and you can only go back so far, download Podbean. It's free, iPhone or Android. That's who hosts the podcast, and that allows for you to go back to the very beginning. Or or lincolnaddict.podbean.com, and you can listen right there on your web. So if you're at a job where you can go on the web, you can listen right there in the other tab and whatnot. The previous episode recap is brought to you by Griot's Garage. Again, griotsgarage.com or follow them on social media, including YouTube. They've been doing these different Q&A sessions and live sessions, and that's a fantastic way to learn key tips about how to detail. I am a rookie when it comes to this stuff. I, I know how to get a wash bucket and put soap in, but I don't know necessarily the ins and outs of, am I going to damage my paint? Am I going too far with this product? And Griot's Garage uh, is there to help. So check them out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, I think TikTok, and I know YouTube as well. So we got next the Lincoln Life updates. So I want to throw this out there. I did go live recently on Instagram, and one day I went live on Facebook through Lincoln Addict. And I did that a couple times in the past month or so, and I'm going to try to maybe do that a little bit more. The reason why I'm saying this is if you're not following Lincoln Addict on Facebook or Instagram, please do so. Also, you can turn on post notifications. So if you go on Instagram as an example and you type in Lincoln Addict, you're going to see there there's a little bell up in the upper right corner. If you tap on that bell, you can toggle on posts, stories, reels, videos, broadcast channels, and live videos. Uh, If you tap on live videos, you can turn it on for all live videos. Now, I'm not going to spam you guys and go live like every day, but I'm going to try to interact a little bit more with uh, the different people out there that might just be casual Lincoln fans, maybe Lincoln addicts, so to speak. And I think it'll be interesting uh, to see some of the questions the reason why I went live recently is talking about a car that sold that I'll talk about here in a couple of minutes. So check me out there and then don't forget to follow on YouTube because I am going to try to go live there a little bit as well. So more to come on that. Next, I did want to give a shout out to Rusty Wall. He mentioned in one of the comments back to me on Instagram that the Raddies are doing their big shindig again this year and it's going to be the weekend of September 8th, 9th, and 10th. So I'm throwing it out there early, a couple months away at the time of this recording, about three months, a little less than three months away. If you want to come out, it's not an event that I'm hosting. It's these guys and the Raddies. They do a very cool job. It's a jam-packed weekend, kind of Friday's a hangout, 
early Saturday. Last year, they went to cruising for a cure. And then Sunday was Rat Fest. It's an amazing time. There's a lot of different Lincoln groups there. Everyone from the Ratties, Suicide Kings, Suicide Slabs. I think Lincoln Life uh, for sure was there last year. They'll be there again this year. Lincoln Addict, Tony was there with Death Row Lincolns. So it was a fantastic time. What I'm going to try to do is link up with uh, both Rusty and Roberto to talk a little bit more about it here in the near future. That way, if you want to make plans, uh, it is in the, I'll say the greater Huntington Beach area. The reason why I say that is that's where our hotel was last year. So if you were like, huh, you know, I'm a little interested in this, never been to California or I haven't been there in forever, look it up. Look up Huntington Beach. I think we stayed at the Huntington Beach Hotel last year. And I did a ton of stuff on Thursday, Friday before the festivities, the car stuff on Saturday, Sunday. So there's a lot to do. There's a rich uh, car culture history, of course, in California. And I'm happy uh, that they're doing this event again. I hope that I can make it. As of right now, I think that I can. I I, I don't think I can come up with a reason why I don't want to go. It was that much fun. All right, next, uh, the last Lincoln Life update that I'm going to share is I know in the social media world we live in today, most people are on Facebook. I mean, I don't know. There's probably a big percentage of the world that actually is on Facebook, literally. But I know most most of us here in America are on Facebook. And that has been something that has impacted like these old forums a lot. So many of us in the late 90s into the 2000s, you know, we were on different forums, whether we were into trucks or cars. And the LincolnForum.net is still up. Uh, recently, Dan, about, I don't know, in the last year, did a, a full refresh of the back end of the website. So you can imagine uh, these forums that started like in the 90s, you know, there's a lot of technology bumps that have happened. And the LincolnForum.net is still a great place to find a ton of information. Uh, the search functionality works really good. And now you can ease, more easily upload photos uh, to your posts. So if you want to do a build thread, you can easily do that. Before it was a little tough to kind of upload a photo. Again, it's a little bit easier now. But I say this because there is a post on here. It's, it is from a few years ago. But this information isn't always available on Facebook. Now, Facebook has, has done wonders by you know creating the groups that have been around forever. They've added search functionality. That has really aided in the Facebook groups. The one challenge about that, though, the world we live in, like I said, you know, a lot of people just want the answer spoon-fed to them, right? Nothing against people that ask questions because we all started there, but you have to learn to use the search. And that's what they've always preached in the Lincoln Forum. Just search what you're looking for. Try to find something. Try to show a little effort. But when you're, you know, when you're on Facebook, I see it all the time. I go into these groups, you know, our Lincoln Addict group. Uh, there's a couple of Lincoln groups and, you know, people will post things like, you know, how do you do this? How do you do this? You know, I'm, I'm frustrated. I just got this car a month ago. I'm like, if you just got the car, listen, it's okay to ask questions. I totally get it. But you have to do a little bit. Of, you can't just buy a car and then be like, everybody's out there has got to answer my question so I can figure out how to do this. You know, some people... That's what they kind of think. Or, hey, can I get you on the phone? I know you know about Lincolns and no offense. You know, I just don't have the time to get on the phone with people and, and, and you know, chat about, hey, how to fix something. But I say all of that because 
there, I'm going to put it in the show notes. There's a link to power steering pump always leaks. Here's the fix. And this was a post back, sounds like forever ago, November 2016. And um, Dan, who runs the forum, he had shared this information uh, for those who wish uh, many miles on your 60s Lincolns and you uh, and, and where you've replaced your power steering pumps or the high pressure line bolted to it ever notice that it won't stop leaking no matter how tight you make the fitting. And he kind of goes in to talk about how you can fix that. So it's a type of thing where even on my power steering pump, it's been rebuilt, but we never changed this uh, little seat that's in there. And uh, he kind of talks about that, right, and how you can get rid of the leaks. So the cool thing about these Lincolns is there's a few good places to go to get the content you need. And the LincolnForum.net, I always promote it because there's so much content out there, you know, these true enthusiasts. Now, unfortunately, it has fallen by the wayside a little bit, not because of the, the content there. It's just because people have transitioned over to different platforms like Facebook, right? I don't know that there's other places, but Facebook's primarily the place. I still like the forums because you can do the build threads. You can find things like this. I spent one time looking up an issue, and I went back to posts from like 2000 in here, or it may, may have been 99, and there's just so much out there. So I wanted to mention that. Again, I'm just plugging it only because I like the link at forum.net. Uh, we have continued to see, at least speaking for myself, I've seen kind of a decline. Now, Dan had the site down for a while when he was doing the upgrade, and, you know, there's been a little bit of a decline in the amount of people that post and things like that there, but there's a lot of people willing to help. Uh, it's free. Uh, there are some ways I think you can donate, and Dan will give you access to some digital files if you want um, uh, the, the different books and literature and things like that. So, you know, shout out to Dan, and shout out to everybody that has always chimed in there over the years and helped me kind of understand things. If you want to find more information on my builds, uh, Smuggler's Blues and Rita Hayworth, as well as some of the older posts I made, you can go out there and you can check me out on the LincolnForum.net. You can uh, tap on uh, my user ID, which is BD94S10, and it'll show you all of the, the comments and posts that I made there. But uh, yeah, check it out. And the only reason I'm saying it again is because there's this cool article or post on here, rather, power steering pump always leaking. Here's how to fix it. And it's something that if your power steering pump is leaking on your 60s Lincoln, this is maybe something that you haven't thought about on how you can fix it. So check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes. Lincoln Life Updates brought to you by Steel Rubber. As I said earlier, visit S-T-E-E-L-E rubber that's steelrubber.com you can select the year make model and style of your vehicle and it will provide a list of all of the parts that they make for it again steel rubber best in the business and they make the weather stripping for these 60 60s lincolns uh, they've said it before if there's a part that you need that they don't make hit them up it may already be in the works or they may need a good original to be able to make it. They've also helped uh, people in the past. If you can provide the part that you really need, they can sometimes make a mold of it and they'll take care of you if you supply the piece for them to scan. So hit them up, steel, S-T-E-E-L-E, rubber.com. All right, next we've got Lincoln Sales. And this is 
a big topic on this episode. I really want to reinforce this. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. And if you follow me on YouTube, you know I do these listing reviews for primarily now is bring a trailer, sometimes eBay, occasionally Facebook Marketplace. But on 613, so just a couple of days prior to the recording of this podcast, a black 1964 Lincoln Continental Convertible, triple black, so black top, black interior, black paint with wide white wall tires, sold 15 year ownership for, or excuse me, 17 year ownership, $104,000 on June 13, 2023. So, I had predicted in my YouTube video that it was going to get to the seventy or 80000 mark. When I went live the other day on Instagram and then I did go live on Facebook, I mentioned that I had been a little conservative with my thought process there. I did think, my gut feeling was that it was going to go a little bit higher, but I went a little bit conservative and I said, you know what, I think this car is going to go in the seventy to 80 range. Well, of course it went you know, 20, almost 25,000 over my 80K, my top number. And I think it's a good thing for the Lincoln community. Now, if you watch my review, I tried to do this one a little bit different where I, I spent the time and I looked at all of the photos and I looked at all of the videos and I kind of broke down in a list view what I liked about the car. You know, what I thought was good, not only in my mind, but that would be beneficial to someone that's looking to buy it or someone that's looking to learn more about these cars. So, hey, here's a list of the pros. Then I go over some things that I noticed maybe that aren't factory correct, little things here and there, not deal breakers by any means. And then I went over some things to consider, which kind of reinforces, hey, if you say this is your dream car, you know, these are some things you need to consider. And it, it, one example of that is let's say this car had never had the the rams, the lines, the cylinders, you know, the stuff that makes the top go up and down. Let's say that that stuff had never been changed. It may not, it's not a deal breaker. You know, a lot of people want an original car, but something to consider is eventually you're going to have to spend 1500 2000-ish, maybe a little bit more in parts right, if you want to do the overhaul of all of that, plus labor, or if you do it yourself, right, or spending some tech support with Brewer over the phone, you know, there's 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 added expenses that could come over time. So again, if you're in the market for a Lincoln, maybe you have a sedan, one day you want a convertible, maybe you just want a classic car and you want it to be a 60s Lincoln, check out my YouTube channel, it's free. You can search Lincoln Addict on YouTube and boom, it's right there. Now, in Suicide Slab's Facebook group, I know David Moyer, shout out to David, he had posted, I just saw it today, he had posted, hey, a 64 Lincoln Continental Convertible just sold for 104 grand. He kind of was giving everyone a heads up. Of course, people chimed in and said, you know, hey, why did it sell for so much? You know, blah, blah, blah. People were talking like, hey, the car wasn't as nice as it appeared in photos. You know, some good normal uh, discussion that you would have on a post like that. Of course, you know, people were directed by David, rightfully so. Hey, check it out on the website. Again, kind of going back to people love for content to be spoon-fed. It's amazing to me. I know not everyone knows what BAT stands for. That's bring a trailer. But David mentions bring a trailer, and then everyone's like, do you have a link? <laughs> I mean, how hard is it just to take a second, 
to go to bringatrailer.com and type in two words, Lincoln Continental, or you can just type in one word, Lincoln. And then it's going to show you all the Lincolns, and then boom, it's right there. But everyone, quote, wants a link. But again, uh, David directed them to the site, didn't provide a link. And when you look at the photos, and if you watch the review, there's, you know, give or take 200 photos of this car, right? And you look at this car, and some of the discussions in the Facebook group were, you know, the car wasn't as nice as it appears in photos. And that's something I think is important for people to understand, okay? When I did the review, I really looked at it as, hey, here's the pros, here's the cons, and then, oh, by the way, here's some things to consider, okay? Everyone is going to have a different opinion on a car, on, a, on any classic car. You could have a car that's like, wow, man, I want to buy this car. And you could have someone go, you know, there's this and there's that and you don't know about this. I'm of the mindset that someone can talk you out of buying pretty much anything for the most part. And some of the comments on there, again, I'm not taking aim at those people, but you know, there were some people that, you know, or there was at least one commenter that said, you know, the car wasn't as nice as what it looks like in, in photos. And I've always said, if you can have someone look at a car or you can look at it, put eyes on it, definitely do so. But here's something to think about. I've always said, and my friend TC, shout out to TC at Lincoln Land, she has always said, these cars always need something. And I believe that. Now, I think when you look at this car, someone had mentioned that maybe under one of the doors was a little rotted out, maybe a little bit of rust there. I'm looking at the photos again. Either I missed it or it wasn't made ultra clear. But you have to understand, these cars are now, let's call it 60 years old, right? 64 is going to be 60 years old later this year slash next year, depending on the production date, right? So let's just say 60 years old you're rarely going to find a car that is perfect, okay? In this video, I also talk about the paint. If you've never been around classic cars or cars in general, just know that maintaining a vehicle with black paint, whether it's brand new or it's older, it's a classic car, is not easy to do, okay? Black is a hard color to maintain. I got a buddy that loves detailing, my friend Vic. He loves the stuff. He does it. He's passionate about it. Doesn't do it for a career, but does it on his own cars, on his friends' cars. He loves it. And we have always said, my wife and I, we even owned a black Dodge Charger at one point. That car was a pain in the you-know-what to maintain, okay? When you look at the paint on this car, surely I called it out, the paint is not flawless, okay? This car, as I said, is more than likely going to need, if you're pretty OCD and you want a super nice car, maybe you have the money to blow this thing apart, definitely going to need a paint job or it could use a paint job. Certainly nobody's going to argue with you on that, but I would argue this point with these cars. They're getting harder to find. I'm going to talk about the production numbers in a little while. Just so happens on a 64, right? With a, with another topic, but you can't, in my opinion, you can't look at one of these cars and go, well, you know, the paint's not perfect. You know, there's a little teeny rust possibly. Again, I I don't know what the person was referring to. Maybe they had someone look at it in person. Even if there's some rust on the bottom of a door, let's just say hypothetically. Maybe there's a little rust here and there for the most part, right? Uh, Maybe you don't like the interior. It's got to be redone. These cars, to find one solid, are getting harder and harder and harder, okay? 
and it's mostly because of something I'll talk about later, the production numbers were, were low overall. When I see a car like this, my 64, my blue car, probably wasn't even as nice as this car. I mean, this guy puts the top down, or he puts the top down, he puts the windows down, he cruises the car. When I got my car, I had to do a lot of stuff. I had to clean the gas tank, had to new, do new fuel lines. The top wasn't working. I had to redo all that stuff. The windows weren't rolling down. I had to fix all that. Just to get a car where all that stuff works and you can turn the key and you can cruise it and you can start enjoying it now, there's something to be said about that, especially for a 60s Lincoln's hands down. Now, if you want to slice and dice it and you want to put this car next to another car and go, well, this car's nicer, this one has zero rust, this one has just a tad... Certainly, you're always going to be able to do that, but beggars can't be choosers. I mean, at this point, the amount of people that are like, hey, I want to buy a 64 Lincoln. Like, yeah, you and every other person out there wants a black 64 Lincoln. They're getting harder to find, okay? Do I think maybe it was worth 104 grand? I don't know. I don't know, but what I can tell you is the prices continue to go up. So if somebody's got the money, if they really want a black car and they want a car they can enjoy now and maybe they're going to resto mod it down the road. Maybe they're going to rip it apart. Maybe it's going to go to Nathan Wilson and do a two or $300,000 restoration. I don't know. But you have, you know, some of the people out there that are like, these cars will never sell for that much and whatnot. They're selling for these high dollar amounts now. So you have to be cautious when you say they'll never sell for these numbers. I think someone got a fairly nice car. I really do. Um, is it a show car? Is it show worthy? Yes and no. Okay. The reason why I say that is the 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 no is. I mean, you look at this car and you go, it's a little ratty, right? Just like my '64. My '64. I like it that way. Okay. But on this car, any of these Lincolns, you could take them to a local cruise and you could put the top down, and you're going to get more people looking at this car than you're going to get looking at some of the supercars at a show. So, you know, you can be the one to judge, you know, what you think of this car. Um, I've been around them a lot. I've seen a lot of super nice cars. I've seen a lot of cars that are, you know, need some work. And this car was far nicer than, at least in photos, that I've seen than, than people pay more money at auctions for. So, you know, again, everybody's going to have their opinion. Uh, don't just take my opinion either. You know, go into the different groups uh, start learning about these cars if you want to buy one and you know, kind of go from there and make your own judgment. If you look at a car and you feel like it's got a little too much rust and things like that, then don't buy it, uh, certainly. If you are also looking at buying a car and you're kind of like, you know, is there, you know, how much is this going to cost? Go to your, you know, make, you know, become friends with your local shop, right? Find a good, reputable body and paint person or chrome person or electrical person in your town. And say, hey, I'm thinking about buying a 64 Lincoln. The top, the windows work. How much would you guys charge to swap all the hydraulic lines for the top? How much would you charge on a classic car to blow it apart? Now, granted, keep in mind, everything on a Lincoln is a little bit tougher, right? Uh, these cars are kind of over-engineered is the way a lot of people spin them. But if somebody goes, man, we wouldn't touch a paint job on one of those for 20, 25 grand... You might know right away, I can't afford 100 grand or 80 grand on a car and then to dump 25 just in the paint. And then, oh, by the way, then the stainless and chrome is not going to look as good because the paint's going to be fresh. And then you're going to have to redo all that. And then before you know it, you're going to have 150, 200,000 in a Lincoln. Okay. 
So just keep that in mind. But bottom line is to go back to the original point of this section of the podcast, 64 Lincoln Continental Convertible, triple black, sold for 104000 on June 13th, 2023. Something to think about. Larry Highbloom. Shout out to Hyatt Larry. Larry 62 Blue sold, let's call it three, four weeks ago, sold for 145. It ended up hitting 150. So behind the scenes, it hits 150 grand. So we're going to call it 150. It sold for 45,000, give or take, $45,000 more than this one. And Larry's car blows it out of the water, right? But some people want a 64. Some people want a black car. Some people want a triple black car. Some people want an original, maybe unrestored car. Larry's car has 200000 in receipts plus the uh, cost of the car, right? So let's call it $220,000, $220,000. But someone still paid one hundred and four dollars because they wanted it. That's the reason why. So someone may go, ah, I don't like blue that much. You know, I don't care that the car is super, 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 super nice. You know, I, I want a black 64. I'm going to run it till the wheels fall off and then I'm going to resto mod it. You know, you just never know what people want to do. But bottom line is, for the people on my social media that constantly chime in and say, there's no way, these cars will never sell for that much, I can provide example after an example. Now, if somebody was partnering with me and we were trying to find a super nice car, would this be the nicest one we could find? I know of nicer cars out there that possibly the, the people would want to sell. But people want to people don't want to dicker around sometimes. They just want to go out. They want to see something. It intrigues them. They want to buy it. So anyways... Enough said, $104,000 for a 64 Lincoln Continental convertible. Maybe not the nicest car out there, but I've seen far worse sell for more money. So just think about that for a minute. Lincoln Sales brought to you by my friends over at AccuAir, A-C-C-U-Air.com. I know you're thinking, what the hell is that? Air suspension. If you want to put air suspension on a ride, on a classic car, you want AccuAir you start the car and the car auto levels to wherever you have it set. If you have the E-level system on your car, you can also control it from a smartphone. And they have other plug and play things that you can add on. So if you want to do pressure based system or you want to do the leveling system where there's one on each corner, they can get you squared away. AccuAir.com for more information. They have a great YouTube channel. And you'll be hooked. I have AccuAir on my 64 Lincoln. I love it. The controller is easy to use. AccuAir.com for more information. All right, next we have Lincolns in movies, TV shows, music videos, and album covers. I know that's a long title. Here's one for you, a 1965 movie called The Defilers. Kind of a crazy movie name, The Defilers. And I have not seen this movie but I've had people give me a little bit of intel on it. These old movies are cool. I grew up, my mom loved, she still loves watching old movies. Uh, TMC, Turner Movie Classics, and things like that. The cool thing about these old TV shows and movies is it's like a time capsule of the homes, of the neighborhoods, and my favorite part, the cars, right? The automobiles from the car or from the movies. This movie features a 64 Lincoln Continental convertible and. The movie was made in 65, so you could imagine, or it, it was released in 65. So, you know, these cars were kind of fairly new at the time, which is another cool thing. Again, it's kind of like a time capsule. 
and you could see it throughout. There's other classic cars, and uh, check it out. The bad thing about these old movies, in my opinion, is they're sometimes hard to find. So I know I'm going to cover some of these, and you're going to Google, and you can't figure it out for streaming, or you can't find it. But uh, I still like covering them, and I'll also try to come back and post it in social media that ties in. So if you can't find it, uh, I'll post a couple of images that I were able to find related to it. So Lincoln's in the movies, TV shows, music videos, and album covers brought to you by my kinfolk over at Devious Customs. If you want to add air suspension, including AccuAir, to your ride, go to DeviousCustoms.com. You can take a look under Kits and Parts. Go to Shop Lincoln's. The cool thing that Jeff and team have done is they've curated all of their Lincoln parts into kind of one category. So if you want speaker boxes, billet pedal sets, different uh, switch panels for your windows, different speaker pods, gauges, and most importantly, the air suspension. They've got the OG air ride kit, the El Presidente. They've even broken it out to front and rear only. So they've got you covered for any budget. DeviousCustoms.com. You can also call Jeff if you have questions. I've been... Uh, there at the shop. You can also check out uh, the video on YouTube that I have where I do a shop tour. Truly doing some unbelievable stuff there. DeviousCustoms.com for more. Okay, next we got Smuggler's Blues and Rita Hayworth updates. My 64 blue, my 65 red. I'm very fortunate, as I've always said. I've worked very hard in my life, but I'm very fortunate to own both of these cars and I'm very thankful. Really, the only updates that I have is I have continued uh, to cruise the cars um, I've did some basic maintenance on the blue 64, and I'll be cruising it this weekend, knock on wood, over to Rides by the River here in Tampa. That's once a month, the third Saturday. So if you're in the greater Tampa Bay area, Rides by the River is at Armature Works. Uh, there's one a month, as I said, and I've been to all five of them so far this year. So I want to make the streak continue by going to the June event, which will be number six. Of course, that's from about 7, 8 o'clock in the morning to about 10, 30, 11 a.m. I think you have to be off the premises by 11 because then the uh, paid parking uh, kicks in at that time. Most people are getting there between 7 and 7.30 now, and we've arrived at 8 o'clock in the morning where the parking lot was jam-packed with all sorts of different vehicles. So I'll be out there this weekend. If you're not in the in the greater Tampa Bay area, uh, just know that I will um, be posting some videos and, and whatnot via social media. Smugglers Blues and Rita Hayworth updates is brought to you by Colorado Custom Wheels. Like I said at the top, you can visit coloradocustom.com. They're also available on Facebook or Instagram if you want to check out their wheels. They're great. They have the best customer service in the industry Hit up Michael and team, and they will take care of you. If you want to put a, a certain emblem or a certain year emblem on the middle for the center caps, they can do that. They offer additional pricing for different engraving options and whatnot. But coloradocustom.com for more information. Let Michael and team know ODB, the Lincoln Attic, sent you. All right, uh, next I got shout-outs. I did want to give, again, David Moyer another shout-out. He uh, The new LCOC... A publication did arrive. Tony Boss Boland is featured in it, which I think is fantastic. You know, the LCOC kinfolk, they've been around a long time. And they're doing a great job of blending, you know, the old school, the purists, and, you know, some of the people that really 
the Lincoln heritage and history runs deep in their blood. Uh, they're doing a great job of mixing that and blending that with the enthusiasts of today, like we are. Uh, some of the younger folks, but also there's older guys out there that we're going to hear, um, you know, from Jim Lincoln. Not saying he's old, but you know, although he's a little older than I am, he's also into you know custom and stock Lincoln. So uh, lcoc.org. Uh, if you want to find more information, you can join the Lincoln Continental Owners Club. And I would tell you that, um, you know, check it out. There's a lot of awesome events going on around the country. And uh, I was even blown away talking to Larry Highbloom about how many different options that are out there. David also shared with me some of the different events. And all of the information is right here uh, on their website, lcoc.org. David, thanks for all the support. Okay, I got one final new segment off topic. I'm going to call it maybe for now slash closing thoughts, right? I got to come up with a, a catchy name. If you're on um, or if you're curious to, to, to see more from what I'm doing, you can go and download the app Substack and search ODBs with an S, ODBs Life, or you can go on Substack.com. Substack is kind of a different site where journalists are posting a lot of content now. I am going to, you know, basically kind of do a, I don't know if it's called a newsletter. It's more like a post, but um, you can follow me for free there. I'm going to be talking things about my life, including, you know, the mini truck podcast I do, of course, Lincoln's. I'll be breaking down a lot of content there. So check me out. I wanted to talk about a topic and then follow up potentially with a Substack post is really what my goal is. Um, similar to a topic that I recently wrote about on my Substack. And that was the topic of bought versus built. Okay. And in the custom car community, it's there's a big thing on, oh, well, you know, you just bought your ride finish. You know, you didn't build it. You didn't put the blood, sweat, and tears into it. You know, you just went because you're rich and you just bought a car and it was already done and, you know, you're not legit, right? That's kind of the high-level Reader's Digest, if you will, thought process that some people have. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to kind of say, hey, how could I, you know, let's do a topic very similar to that, but something that doesn't really apply to, you know, bought versus built isn't something that's really kind of talked about a lot a lot in the Lincoln world because people want to buy these cars and they want to buy them done. You know, it's a cool thing. It's like, hey, I just want a Lincoln. I want it to be reliable. I want a convertible, blah, blah, blah. People got the money. They're going to buy it, right? Now, something that I've noticed, and this kind of ties in, is Facebook and Instagram, which is part of that whole company now called Meta, right? They're, it's getting tougher and tougher there to gain traction on, you know, posts that I make. So when you think about like the algorithms and all, how all that stuff works is it's a little frustrating because like, you know, I'll post content that I love that other people love, but nobody really gets to see it because the way the algorithms are. So Substack is going to allow for me to be able to write and get out that newsletter style post, blog post, whatever you want to call it a little bit easier. And if you want to consume the content again, it's free, which is cool. So when I started thinking about the whole bought versus built, I wanted to do a post that was kind of similar that maybe related more to Lincoln's. So it only took me a minute to really, you know, think of an idea, right? And that idea 
that came to mind was the whole custom Lincolns. You know, why do people customize these Lincolns? And the, re- the reason why I say this is if you look at some of the posts that I make, th- it's a very polarizing topic. You'll have people that say, we ruin these cars, we're cutting these cars up, we're idiots. These cars are beautiful. You know, even even a stock car with wide white wall tires will in, in, invoke someone to go, I hate those tires. Those gangsta white walls look ugly and, and just all those kind of topics, right? So I wanted to kind of say, you know, why – I wanted to think through, like, why do people get so enraged <laughs> over someone, anyone, me, you, whoever, customizing a Lincoln. Now, as I've said, I love stock Lincolns just as much as I much – just as much as I love custom Lincolns. Now, I think 10, 15 years ago, I kind of liked the custom Lincolns more, and I do really love custom Lincolns. But I also appreciate very much so a completely stock Lincoln. These cars are beautiful. There's no doubt about it. Now, more recently over the last year or so, I, I've even seen you know more interactions on my post where the 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 car is completely stock. You know, people are chiming in saying they love these cars. It brings back a good memory, and I love doing that. I love posting stuff that people appreciate. Right. If you're a content creator or you've got a page, the one thing you don't want, I mean, some people don't care, but it's nothing like looking at your phone here and there, whether you've got notifications on or off, or you go into your page and you just see hate, 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 hate. It just gets old. And it's one reason why I have post notifications, or not post notifications, I have notifications to some of my pages or apps turned off just because I don't need to see people all day telling me, why they don't like that color, they don't like white wall tires, or they ruin this car. It's like, it it just gets old seeing that all day. Now, that's one reason why I try to post a good mix of custom and stock cars, right? I found a good balance, I think, where people appreciate and they kind of know, like, hey, this is a custom post. Like, okay, let's not razz on this custom post because we've got you know, more than likely he's going to post a stock car. Oh, I love stock cars. You know, I'm not making money at this. So, you know, the people that think like, well, hey, you should stop doing this. It's like, look, if you want to start paying, uh, maybe once I get to YouTube monetization or you want to start doing, if you want me to start doing Patreon, it's some of these things that different content creators, and you want to start paying reoccurring money every month, a few bucks, certainly I'll take your advice and I'll, you know, post a little bit more on, you know, the people that are paying. Certainly, right? But at the same time, you have to understand that it's like, hey, we're doing this for fun, right? So let's not like overthink it, which I think I'm kind of doing right now, but I think you guys will appreciate the conversation. Now, one thing that makes me laugh is how many people absolutely hate that any of these cars are customized, okay? I even had one lady, I don't think it was a troll, although I felt like it was. I really don't think she was. I think she was just an older lady. She completely demonized the post that I made about lowered Lincolns, about a, a low car. Uh, she claimed to be a Christian. Somehow the conversation led into Christianity, and uh, maybe I kind of brought that into it. But the things that she said, I'm just like literally like, dude, like, Really? I mean, how can you be a Christian and say these type of things, right? Uh, aren't you supposed to not judge people uh, if you're a Christian? But anyways, that's a whole other podcast. 
Now, what is it with custom Lincolns that people just love or they just hate? Okay, older folks, and I'm not going to say all, So, but some older folks want these cars to be completely like they rolled off the showroom floor or at least stock. Younger people, not all younger people, but let's just say a lot of younger people, including some mix of older kinfolk, they want, you know, or like a custom Lincoln. They can go, hey, thumbs up, cool. They don't have to say, well, thumbs up, but I hate lower cars, or it's a nice car, but it's got wide, white wall tires, okay? One thing is for sure, some people just have to let their opinion be known that anyone who customizes one of these Lincolns is a piece of, you can insert the word there, right, in your own mind. So it is just insane to me. I know people want to get their opinion out there, but if I post a car and... It's just a lowered Lincoln. It doesn't say, do you like it? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Do you like the color? Do you like the tires? Do you like the suspension? Should it be stock? Should it be custom? It's just a photo. And you have people that are just like, they ruined it. You know, these people are idiots. They shouldn't do this. And the funny thing is, a lot of pages, I may have hinted at this in the past, they stir, they want to stir up controversy because there's, there's the E word that pages want that help them grow, Okay. The E word is engagement. The more engagement you have, the more controversy you're stirring up, the more your page is going to grow. And I have told some people in the Lincoln community this. This is probably contrary to the most the, the, the content creators out there. Other than getting my YouTube channel to monetization, which by the way, once I get to that point, it's going to be like maybe five bucks a month, if that. It could grow, but it's not like it's going to be like, oh, I'm making $100 a month. But... Other than getting my channel to monetization for YouTube, I'm the one guy out there that does not care if my content for Facebook or Instagram grows. Is it great that people like the content? Absolutely. That's that's what I do it for. If people go, man, I brought, brought back a memory. I was a kid. I rode in one of these cars. My dad had one. My grandfather. That's what I love about it. Okay. I know it sounds crazy. I tell people all the time, unfollow me. Right. And you're not going to get that from most content creators. And I don't even consider myself a content creator. I guess I kind of do. I just don't like the term. I'm just an enthusiast, right? I'm the Lincoln addict that loves Lincolns and I like posting about them. But I encourage you, if you don't like the post or you don't like how I talk or you don't like you know the podcast, it's very e- the easiest answer is just unplug. Just don't like it. Unfollow the page. Unfollow the Instagram I tell people that all the time because I would rather someone unfollow than waste their breath or their keystrokes in typing a con- a comment that I really don't <laughs> care about. Again, I don't want to see people all day go, it sucks, I hate it, it sucks, I hate it, because it just gets old seeing that stuff. So I say this to, again, go back to the point of why do people hate, some people hate that these cars are customized at all. Well, I'm going to tell you why right now. Number one, from 60, I'm going to break these numbers down for you real quick. From 61 to 69. Okay. So let's call it that. What is that? Nine year period, 61, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Count it on your fingers. That's a nine year period. Okay. There were 275,250 sedans created. Okay. Produced. There were 21,000 374 convertibles. Now remember, the convertible ran from 61 
to 67. Okay, it doesn't include a 68, and it doesn't include 69. So for those seven years, 21,347. Okay, the coops from 66, 67, 68, 69, there's 45,273. The limos, there were 518 that started in what, 64, I believe. So you have a total of 342,388 cars. Okay, that's a, you know, that, that's a big number. But what's the lowest number other than limos out of that number? Convertibles, 21,347, again, for a seven-year period. So why do people get so upset that these cars are customized? The bottom line is two words. They're low-number cars for the most part, especially the convertibles, okay? So they are, in fact, rare, if you will, when you really think about it. So let me give you an example. 65 Lincoln Continental Convertible. I want to talk about the price here in a second. Right, I think which will be key for you, but you have to understand that when when let's say it's an older person, my wife's grandfather, I think he's ninety three, great guy, still drives his car, still does all the stuff he wants. He's ninety three years old. I hope to be in that good of shape men- mentally and physically when I'm ninety three. Okay, but if you think back, and I talk to him all the time about cars, all the cars he's owned, and you know his time in the service and all of that. He's in his 90s, right? They think back to the to their younger years, and they when they saw a Lincoln, a Lincoln was like a high-class automobile driving down the road. So a lot of people that hate on these cars being customized, they look at it and say, how could you ruin a car that has so much style and class? It doesn't really need... I think we all could say this. A stock Lincoln is beautiful just how it sits. One, twos, threes, four, fives six, seven, eights, and nines, right? They're all awesome in their own right. But some people just cannot understand why you we would, quote, ruin a nice car. So that's that's part of it. So again, they're low numbers. Now in 65, 1965 Lincoln Continental convertible, right? So let's go with the convertible side of it. A convertible was $6,798. You go, big deal. Six grand, I paid 40 grand for my little sedan I'm driving around now, or whatever the number is, right? Whatever car you drive every day, okay? But let's let's think about this. $6,798 in 1965 is equivalent to the purchasing power of $65,633 today. That's an increase of 58, let's call it 59,000 over 58 years. The dollar had an average inflation rate of 3.99% per year between 65 and today, producing a cumulative price increase of 865.5%. Okay, This means that today's prices are 9, almost 10% times as high as average prices since 1965, according to, of course, the Bureau of Labor Statistics Consumer Price Index. Okay. So why do I say this, right? I know it's a lot of mumbo jumbo to some, but if you think about these cars, like a 65 Lincoln, just as an example, they were pretty rare, okay? They didn't make a lot of them. They were a lot of money, and people back in those days really looked at those cars as, man, that that, star, that car had a lot of style and class. So I think that's one of the big reasons that when people see these cars, they go, wow, you don't see them very often, 
and these guys are ruining these cars. Well, look, let me tell you this. You're never going to stop, you know, people customizing the cars. I like custom Lincolns. Many of you do. It is what it is. So, but I wanted to at least try to get in the mindset a little bit of why someone could hate on it. Now, here's one more kind of final tie-in. In 1964, if you think about another popular car was the Chevy Impala. So my dad, I think his first car was a 63 Impala. And of course, the Impalas, there's different makes and models. I'm not going to go through all of these uh, you know, and whatnot. But I want to give you an example. The Impala Supersport. So for Chevy in 64, production reached 1.574 million for the year. And more than half, so 889,000-ish, were 64 Chevy Impalas, okay? The Impala Supersport was now its own line. That was 35% of the 536,329 Impala two-door hardtops that were Supersports, about 155,000 cars. When you kind of break it down, the Supersport two-door hardtop carried a base price of 2947 while the convertible began at 3196 okay? So that's a convertible, which, listen, you guys may love Lincolns as much as I do. There's something to be said about a 61, 62, 63, 64 uh, Impala. I love those cars, always have. My dad had one, again, as one of his first cars. I think his was a hardtop. It may have been a four-door. I don't have any photos, unfortunately. But think about this. Uh, an Impala Supersport two-door hardtop carried a price, base price of twenty nine forty seven, and a convertible was thirty one ninety six. That's like, you know, cut in half of the Lincoln prices. So even if somebody was doing pretty well back in the day and they had a good job, and both, you know, maybe the husband, maybe the wife worked too, a little bit different dynamics back then. Let's say they can afford a beautiful convertible Impala. That was half. The price. I mean, you could take thirty one ninety six and double it, and you're still not at a convertible price for a Lincoln at sixty five, right? Because we know the convertible Lincoln at sixty five, uh, the base or the price then was six seven nine eight. That didn't inc- include like taxes, any dealer expense fees. Uh, you know, they're going to try to get you for the extra car mats and all the little kind of dealer add ons. Rusty knows all about those, right, Rusty? But six, but six seven nine eight. So let's call it sixty eight hundred. Back in 65, that's a lot of money for a car. So listen, in closing, I know people get a little frustrated about these cars being customized. All I would tell you is don't hate on the people. Don't, I've done this in the past, don't get roped into the madness, okay? Just go with the flow. Uh, What I've been doing lately is when people, whether they're trolls or they just, you know, truly hate um, us lowering these cars or doing anything to them, God forbid you put wide white wall tires even if they're nasty comments, I just thumbs up. Hey, man, thanks for the support. Because even though I really don't want to see the nasty comments, it helps the page, which, again, I could care less about. Um, and they took the time of their day to comment. So if you post your car and it's custom and people hate on it, don't get roped in. Some of them are trolls. Some of them just are older people that maybe don't understand the world the way we do. And... I don't want to demonize people. I don't want to, you know, go at their throats and say, hey, you're wrong. You know, who's to say I'm right, right? Who's to say any of us are right? You know, everybody's got an opinion. 
And the key word, the key two words is it's SM. It's social media. So even when I don't ask a question and somebody chimes in, I'm just going to give them a thumbs up. You know what I mean? Now, every once in a while, if they're wrong on something, on a fact, then I will chime in and kind of say, hey, but you got to think about this. Or, hey, it did sell for that price. Or, hey, it's not me driving the prices up. It's just what it is. I'm just reporting it. So, in closing, thank you guys. I know I rattled on way too long. Some people want more content. Some people want less. I don't know. It's hard to figure out. But the closing thoughts is brought to you by all of the sponsors that I talked about earlier. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you listening. Can you believe that? 342,388 Lincolns, sedans, convertibles, coupes, and limos for that nine-year period. It's a lot of cars, but it's low when you compare it to the other OEMs like Chevy, you name it. Thank you, guys. Keep it tuned to Lincoln Addict. Stay on the rise and stay positive, y'all. Have a great summer. If we don't talk, uh, happy Father's Day and happy Independence Day for everyone July 4th here in America. We out of here. Would you be the Lincoln Addict? Hey, hey, as I said, I'm super excited to sit down with my friend Jim. I call you Jim Lincoln, man. How you doing? Hey, good, Jason. Good to hear from you, bud. Yeah, hey, I appreciate you sitting down with us. And I think, you know, in the Lincoln community, we know you as Jim Lincoln, or maybe some guys will call you Jimmy Lincoln. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I kind of use that. I don't know why I decided that, but I used to be Jimmy when I was younger, but uh, I kind of went back to Jimmy Lincoln just uh, to have a unique ID with a group. Yes, for sure. And... I mean, I love to start off and kind of just get to know you a little bit more. We got a chance to meet, but why don't you just share a little bit of background about yourself, maybe even where you grew up and stuff, Jim? Yeah, cool. Sure. Yeah, I grew up in a small town in uh, New Mexico called Farmington, New Mexico. It's near the Four Corners area. It's a small country type of living town. Um, <clears throat> grew up there. I got married young. I went to uh, college in El Paso, Texas area, Las Cruces, New Mexico area. Mm-hmm. And then eventually moved out to Phoenix about, it's already been 20 years ago. So I've been in wow. Phoenix for quite a while, but kind of that, you know, Southwest area is what I know. I spent a little bit of time in Southern Colorado as well. So that's kind of where I'm from. Oh yeah. And I've been to Arizona. Um, some of the listeners know, you know, I've got the other kind of truck, mini truck culture type podcast I do, um, OLP. And um, our the club that I'm in, uh, severed ties. They started in Arizona and uh, California back in '92, and I've been out there a couple times for shows. And the thing I learned about it is, it is damn hot in the summer, as you know, but in the winter, it gets really chilly at night. It is. It's pretty wild, and it is like an area that has two seasons. It's either summer or winter. There's not much of a difference between you know. There's not a spring or a fall so much, but shoot, in the winter time. It's nice because, boy, there's just car shows all over the place every weekend, every direction. And then, obviously, as you know, the Phoenix area has the the big auctions and that type of stuff. So, besides those summer months right in the middle, it's pretty darn nice. Yeah, for sure. And when I was out there December of 2013, it was like, you know, overnight, or we got up super early for the car show that they were throwing. And it's like you have your jacket on. And then you get to the point, like in the morning, where you're like, man, it's kind of hot now. So you take your jacket off, and then the wind starts coming. And you're like, I got to put the jacket back on. 
<laughs> It'll surprise you, won't it? Yeah. yeah, it it definitely will. Now, what is like? What's one thing that's maybe always kept you in that area of those kind of different states? Like, do you just love the climate, or is it just home to you? You know, mostly family. I would say. You know, me and my wife uh, grew up in the same small town, and then a lot of the family has moved out to the Phoenix area with us. So we have family on both sides. Me and my wife have been married over thirty years. So a lot of nieces, nephews. Even those kids are having babies themselves. So a lot of family out here. Definitely, like I say, in the summer months, I'm ready to move every year, but we (laughs) somehow survive it and stay out here, you know? Yeah. Well, time definitely flies. You know, that's a great answer because that's very similar to, you know, me. I have my family here in Florida. But like you said, even every year I get excited, you know, for for us, we kind of bypass spring and we go right to summer. And, you know, we're okay. on the lake, jet skiing, you know, going to the the ocean and, and the causeways and doing all that stuff. And it's like quickly, it's like when de- when December starts rolling around, it gets a little cooler. I'm always like, no, I'm ready for summer. And then when summer gets here, I'm like, ah, I'm kind of ready for fall. But, again, we kind of <laughs> have two seasons here. We have a short, short winter, and we have summer the rest of the time. That sounds okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down for that. Now, I, I – one thing that's intriguing when I talk to folks is kind of learning, like, how did you get involved in cars? Like, were you playing with Matchbox and Hot Wheels as a kid? Was it a family-type connection? There's got to be some sort of story on how you got bit by what I call the automotive bug. Yeah, you know, generally automotive bug. You know, growing up in the small town in New Mexico, there was plenty of room to uh, run around. I found a old, I think my first truck was like a 67 uh chevy step side type of thing you know and it was not worth a 100 bucks probably but i was able to uh get that you know i had to replace the engine right away if i wanted to have a truck you know so kind of that country living and being independent but then i did my own mechanic work on my truck i kind of liked you know at a young age the trucks the muscle cars and then in college i got a obs truck you know i bought one of those new so i kind of always been into uh cars muscle cars hot rods and then also in college i did a little bit of dirt track racing Mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun too uh just for a couple seasons but that was a great time very cool you know my dad would tell me stories back in the day like one of his first cars was uh like a 63 impala hardtop and you know he would talk about back in the day and it was like you know he paid like 300 dollars for it you know and it was back in crazy yeah, yeah back in those like you know, early seventies, you know, time period, I I guess late sixties, early seventies, but you know, cars were, you know, different than, I mean, you could pick up, I mean, you'd imagine talking about the 67 Chevy step side, like you said, a hundred dollars, but it's insane. Isn't it to think now all these years go by and the worth of just even a truck that's got some rust to it, which you guys typically don't have there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely scared of anything that has rust on it, but you know, you see some of these cars in the Phoenix area and some, you know, the, one of my first cars too, the sun boy, it just kills the interior. We don't have much rust, rust, but boy, the interiors just get cooked around here sometimes. So, yeah. And one thing, you know, as we'll start to talk about Lincoln's in a moment, that's ironic is, you know, being, I've got a, a buddy that I know in the truck scene that Ronnie has C10 talk and he kind of has this whole truck talk media that he's been doing uh, with different podcasts and in the C10 world, one of the big words that's come out of it, you know, and, and I guess, you know, in all automotive, but it's really big in C10s is the patina. 
and people love these trucks uh, or vans or you know sometimes just wagons it doesn't matter that have been sitting like in a desert dry climate that's the key word the d word dry climate right and these yeah. these are like yeah. they're sun baked and there's something about it I, I i just love these cars that kind of have a patina and like you said a lot of them come out of that arizona uh state yeah i'm with you and i do have another project uh online too that has a little bit of patina to it too so i'm kind of i'm on board with you there yeah i like it now it's one thing to be a car guy it's a it's kind of a notch up in my opinion to be a lincoln guy right or a lady and I think one thing that's very interesting is um, I, I met you through Lincoln's. I got a chance to meet you last September. Um, we went to Cruising for a Cure, and we were at the Raddies, um event on that Sunday. So it's cool that you know they brought us all together. But talk to us a little bit about, like, have you always loved Lincoln's, or how did you get bit by that bug? Yeah, that's a good story. I, and I do want to talk about the Raddies more. I love those guys. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, growing up in New Mexico, <clears throat> my dad was a kind of a rough cowboy type of guy. And I've posted this story before online, but he loved Lincolns. He bought my mom a used Lincoln, and he sometimes in his construction yard had some Lincolns. But he's the type of guy that never really got one restored. He just kind of would have one when he could have one type of thing. But I'd always sit in them and play with them, sit inside of them, check them out when I was a little, little kid. Um I remember the most impressionable thing was once when my dad broke down and he had like a four-door square body truck and a horse trailer up in that New Mexico area is like a lot of reservation land. Mm -hmm. And uh, he broke down. I could barely drive. He told me, take mom's car. Don't tell mom about it, but come out here. We hooked the chain up to it and we just kind of, you know, we pulled it slowly out of the middle of nowhere on the reservation with the Lincoln. And I was at that impressionable age. I thought that was the most awesome thing a car had ever done. So it kind of, you know, rung a bell, you know, like this is luxury, but it has a huge motor. So I always loved the car after that. I love So it. that's kind of the first bug with Lincolns. And then after that, like I said, we, <clears throat> I liked the muscle cars a little bit more. And then I did a little bit of dirt tracking. But then as I got older, I wanted to get like a Lincoln and restore a Lincoln. That's something that you could just take out of your garage and drive whenever you wanted to. So that was kind of the start of it was that, uh, that old Lincoln with my dad, that old Lincoln town car. Yeah, very cool, and I appreciate you sharing that. Now, and, and I was going to ask you what model that was because I wasn't sure if it was a Continental or like a town car back in, you know, the set, maybe the 70s circa, you're thinking? Uh, no, you know, I might be wrong. I, I'm pretty sure it was in the early 80s. It might have been a Continental. It was one that had like a oval port in the back, and uh, kind of surprisingly, it was like a that yellow, light yellow color, which is kind of close to my buckskin color one I have now, but... Uh, yeah, it was like that car. It was a pretty awesome car. It had the 460 in it. I remember that much. Yes, yeah, exactly. And the cool thing about these Lincolns, and especially you know, with me having many of you are following uh, Lincoln Addict on Facebook or Instagram, and it's really cool because so many people, and, and especially on Facebook, a lot of different generational folks will comment and go, man, I love this car when I was a kid, or I remember on Christmas of such and such year. And people with the Lincoln brand being that it was kind of a cut above, so to speak, they really remember certain things, you know, a color car their parents had or grandparents had and things like that. And to me, it's always been really intriguing. But here's the other thing is if you really if we, if we just talk about 61 through 68, just just because 
uh, because I've got these in front of me uh, based upon the numbers I've calculated. You basically had 245,000 sedans made. You only had 21,000 convertibles, and you had 36,000 coupes, right, those couple of years. But when you really think about it, there wasn't a lot of these cars made, but they are definitely etched in people's minds. Yeah, I agree with you. And when I do those little car shows, and that's really what I probably enjoy most is the informal meetups or the the smaller regional car shows. I really love the people coming up and, you know, saying you have all kinds of spectrum. You have the young kids that, that like the coolness of it. You have the middle-aged folks that say, you know, we borrowed this from Aunt Betry and we took off and we did this. And then, you know, have the older folks that remember them when they were new and just love them to death. So that's really the neatest part about it. And I always tell those people, you know, have a seat, sit inside, sit down, let me take your picture. I, I enjoy taking pictures of people sitting in the cars as much as anything else. So, Oh, yeah. And I, I think something that a good amount of people um, tend to forget or may not even know is something I've learned over the years from you know just reading about these cars and researching them, reading books or whatever I get my hands on, is the gentleman, as you'll know, this name, Elwood Engel. He basically, in many ways, kind of resurrected Lincoln because with the 58, the 59, and the 60, Although I appreciate those cars, I look at them and say they're cool. My buddy Tony had the 58 that Snoop Dogg bought from him. But when when you look at those cars and the sales weren't really there, and then you, you kind of, you know, I've heard before, they're like, okay, we're going to throw one more one more iron in the fire and just see if this one takes. And Elwood Engel kind of pulls the nose of the plane up, if you will. And then in 61, they come out with this new uh, Lincoln Continental, and that's really what um, I think saved the brand. Yeah, that's funny you mentioned that because I just watched the video and it was about modernism design or something. And um, just recently, just a couple of days ago, but boy, I talked about the drastic swing of the bat between the 60 design and the 61 design. It's pretty, pretty amazing when you really look at those side by side. And I'm with you. I love the I love the Continentals, the 56 Continentals, and I also love those um, 58, 59, 60s as well. So I love them all, but boy, was that a change. It was, and we probably watched the same video. I love what these people are able to produce on YouTube for free to watch the content. But what's what's in striking is, like you said, with the Mark that came before the 58 models, you have one of the most elegant cars people often say ever. They just love those cars. I've seen them in person. They're amazing. And then they go to this big boat, you know, the unibody, which really wasn't a super popular thing. Uh, of course, they kept that into the 60s. But what was always intriguing to me is that when you go back and watch some of these videos on YouTube, and some of you guys that are listening will remember this, is that think about this. Jim, is back in those days, and you'll remember, a lot of those cars were being redesigned every couple years, which is just insane. And you think about, like, they didn't have computers, right, for the most part. I mean, they had very basic, maybe computing-type stuff. But at the end of the day, like, you know, we're talking about stamping sheet metal. And, you know, you look at the 59s, like on the Chevy side, how expensive those cars are getting and things like that. It just was an amazing era that really I kind of sum up as what many of us call that mid-century modern era. Yeah, and I'm a fan of that stuff as well. But uh, it is amazing when you think about it, all the little parts, not only the big parts, but the little parts that are redesigned as well. And then also you hear about how it was an event to go see the new model, you know, the the 57s are out this year. Come see it, you know, and it was a, a pretty big event 
because it was such a drastic change every year. Yes, and one thing that that you're reminding me of is like when you, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because some of the fires that happened and things like that. But unfortunately, being a Lincoln fan, we don't have a lot of stuff. We don't have as much stuff as maybe like a Chevy guy has in terms of like old ads and things like that. I really have to scour and dig deep. I give a huge shout out to Jim Ayers, uh, LCOC Western Region uh, member, just a great guy. He's unearthed some things, but that's one thing that gets me is being a Lincoln fan. You you really we don't have a lot of these commercials and things like that that I could sit and watch for days. Uh, I think it's was it Dina Shore or Dina Shore. She's she was like a spokesperson, and they did all these cool Chevy commercials. But a lot of that stuff has just never really been unearthed or doesn't exist for the Lincoln side. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I have a, some of that stuff hanging up in my shop as well, which I really enjoy. That's cool, right? Yeah, I have a an old friend in the truck scene. Um, she's she's a Cadillac, um, you know, fiend. Uh, they call her the Caddy Queen. And, you know, we talked about in the past when uh, she's like, you know, oh, I got this thing that was from the dealership and this and that. You know, and unfortunately, to use the C word here, Cadillac, um, when we when we think about the stuff that you can sometimes find and what these guys collect, you know, obviously you can either have a, you know, some of those guys have the original couches made from a parts car. You know, there's the companies I think that make the repops with the probably fiberglass and whatnot. But there's so much stuff to consume and buy if you're, uh, dare I say, a Cadillac person, right? And then on the Lincoln side. We're kind of stuff stuck over here as redheaded stepchildren. You know, we've got our cars, which we'll talk about, but we don't have as much stuff, I think, to buy as some of the other um, OEMs out there. Yeah, I agree. And I, since you said the c word first, I do have like <laughs> a '63 Coupe de Ville project, and of course, it's you know rougher. It has the patina. It was a cheap car, and uh, I'm putting on uh, bags on it, and I wanted to oh, cool. maybe try an LS swap on it. I thought that was a good. Uh, one to learn on, so I do have that project, but um, that's cool. Yeah, the, and, and that's going to be the one the, that'll be like a patina style. Yeah, I don't think I want to repaint it, but it does have a nice faded, you know, look to it. It's black, but uh, I think it would look pretty good. I'm going to get to a good point with it without spending too much money. I think. Yeah, let's not forget Elvis may have loved his Cadillacs, but he was a Lincoln guy too, right? So some of you guys will know <laughs> that. Uh, very cool. Uh, we're talking with Jim Lincoln a.k.a. Jimmy, and um, it's cool to talk with you and sit down. Now, let's talk a little bit about, you know, as a child, you said, hey, you're sitting in these cars, you're playing with all the knobs, and you're really going, man, this is cool, you know, helping your dad pull a truck out with the Lincoln, you know, just in that awesome era. So fast forward, you end up getting your hands on a sedan. Talk to us about, like, maybe when that happened and, and how that process went about and, you know, when you took the plunge to buy a Lincoln. Okay, yeah. So that would have been around 2008. I went on my own for a business. And um, yeah, when I moved to Phoenix, you know, I used to do dirt track racing, but I kind of moved to a neighborhood that was, you know, houses closer together. And I didn't think I could fire up a alcohol burning dirt track car <laughs> without, you know, shattering windows. And so I thought I wanted something tamer. And then as I, you know, always had like hot rod magazine or stuff, I would notice that I would see Lincoln's customized Lincoln's. I'm like, that's cool. I love that car. And then over a couple of years, I've always still liked him. I was like, that's pretty rare. Sometimes, you know, I get tired of seeing something, but I always loved it. So then I decided 
I want to pick one up. I want to restore one type of thing. And so I found one, <clears throat> found this 62. It came out of uh, Prescott, Arizona, which is uh, north of Phoenix, not too far. And uh, it was one where the guy did a really nice paint job on, rebuilt the motors, but the interior needed to be completely redone. So I picked that up. It wasn't too expensive, but uh, it did kind of just sit, you know, when I started my business i didn't have a lot of extra money for quite a long time so it kind of sat about three or four or five years in the garage um of course i would not ever park it outside and then i didn't want anything to happen to it you know because i was in love with it from day one of course but uh, yeah i had that and slowly got that together got it running got more money from the company it has a medium blue interior which i had to redo in vinyl but it looks really nice i also did the wood grain and a maple so it really turned out good uh static lowered stock motor but you know i finally got that car on the road about five six years ago and started attending car shows with it and uh that was pretty much the story of the first lincoln yeah and if i look back i think one of the photos i recall seeing it you you got a wide white wall tire and i think it had a chrome wheel on it kind of like a smoothie type wheel do you still have is that kind of the look that i'm just painting the picture here no, I have uh, about six sets of wheels uh, around the shop. Wow. Right now, it has isotope wheels on it and ah. uh, narrow white walls. But yeah, those wheels were, yeah, you're right. It was a wide white and like a reverse chrome. Kind of those wheels you would see more often on like a 32 Ford or something. But yep. that was kind of my first swing at it. I still like them. Uh, still have them in my garage. But um, yeah, they're not on it now. But yeah, that's the car. Yep, and if you guys recall, if you listened to the last episode, you would have heard Ali on when we had David Escalante. So, you know, Ali, you know, that's the wheel company that he owns, and that's what Jim's talking about here with the wheels. But it's cool, though, because you said earlier, you know, talking about the other car, how you you have this vision of, you know, customizing it a little bit, and then, you know, you're talking about the Lincoln now, and you go, hey, static dropped, you know, this and that. You know, a couple minor customization things. I think that's cool because, as you know, Jim, oftentimes you know people get frustrated online. I don't think in person. I don't think anybody's going to come up to you and say, "Why did you do this?" But you know, online people—I hate to use the H word—but they sometimes will really hate on someone for changing anything on one of these cars. So it's neat to kind of know, hey, you haven't done a full-blown resto mod. You're running the 430, but you're still out there doing it. You're tinkering on it, and you've got some things that you like about your car. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. Yeah, and uh, I end up keeping every single part I ever take off any Lincoln ever, but I don't know if that I'd ever really use them again, but I keep them anyway. But, man, you know, really the important part is get a Lincoln like you like it and be able to drive it and enjoy it. You know, it's uh, really too much short of uh, too short of time to worry too much about what everybody else likes. So. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, like you said earlier, shout out to the Raddies. Um, the cool thing about these guys is – they, you know, there's different, you can slice and dice their, their, their group, right? They call it kind of a family deal. Uh, some look at it as a club, but when you look at what um, they're doing, you know, some of the guys got the LS, some of the guys got the Coyote, some have the MEL 430s, some are lowered, some are stock. But the cool thing is, in my opinion, is everybody's out there, they're having a good time. And when people constantly hate and go, why'd you put this engine? Or why'd you do this? Like, if, at the end of the day, the car's out there. It's looking beautiful. It's riding with the with the group. 
that to me, like you said, is the most important thing versus going, I can't believe you did this or did that. At the end of the day, let's keep them on the road. And if somebody's enjoying it and bringing a smile to other people's faces, I don't think anyone can argue with that. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and the first Raddies went thing I went to, that was uh, August of 21. And I didn't bring a car. I just showed up with a smile on my face and said, hey, I'm Jim. Uh, you know, like your guys' cars. Man, They those that is the kindest group of folks you'd ever want to meet. They are uh, really good people, really kind, really generous. And, uh, you know, they shook my hand and uh, met everybody, made a lot of friends. And, you know, I just was a guy that liked Lincoln's showing up with my first one, but well, I couldn't say enough good things about those guys. And like I said, I've done uh, five or six things with them since then, but you know, really have made some lifelong friends. And like you said, you know, they, they believe in family and they're definitely family for each other, but they sure treat you good. They're good people. Yeah. We had a great time going out there last year. And like you said, you know, that's the important thing. I know Rusty always says it's a family thing and I know uh, Roberto does as well. So that's pretty cool. Now, before we talk about your other Lincoln, I want to give a shout out because the last episode we had Suicide Kings on and um, you got a chance speaking about some of those other events that you've attended. uh, The great thing that David Escalante talked about on the last episode is that you know how important it is uniting people, right? Whether it's a state or a county or a city or in in our case, the Lincoln community. And I got to give a tip of the cap for David Escalante kind of really pulling together all these different crews uh, for Suicide Kings, the Raddies, Lincoln Life, Suicide Slabs. You had an opportunity to be out at t- the Temecula Rod Run, which was a couple weeks ago. How awesome was that, Jim? Man, that was a lifetime experience. I'll tell you, I had a great time, and it was only about three weeks ago, still fresh in my memory. But yeah, I went out there, uh, faded out there, met some friends. Uh, my friend Cedric from here, he actually drove. I followed him. He's a pretty impressive dude, but he drives his Lincoln everywhere. And, uh, we went there, got there. You know, of course, we mostly have ready gears on. But, yeah, I got to meet some of the Suicide Kings. There was about 50 Lincolns out there, believe it or not. And, uh, well, yeah, we show up, uh, say hi to people we never met. Basically, got into, like, a parking lot that was a Lincoln traffic jam. Couldn't get in or out, so we just <laughs> popped out and hung out, you know. But, shoot, yeah, those guys were just as friendly as could be. Uh, there was a guy, I forgot his name. Uh, Lincoln Life, but he has like a Nardo Gray with black trim. Jesse. Super nice guy. Jesse. Was, yeah. Yep. He was very, very kind. He, um, you know, my car is probably the most stock looking one there. Or my convertible was, but yeah, super complimentary, nicest guys ever. And that's yeah, I'm with you. I, I really enjoy the brotherhood of it, of it all. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And it was so cool. Again, you know, Escalante and and these other groups going, hey, let's do it for the greater cause of the Lincoln community. I know there's the LCOC out there as well. Those are great kinfolk. And, you know, Jim Ayers and some of the Western guys, Basil and whatnot. It's been really cool because, you know, although they might have kind of their little bit more strict type uh, events, right, they've always welcomed people with open arms and said, hey, man, you know, you, you love Lincolns. We love Lincolns. We're one big happy family. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? Uh so, so that's a good thing. Now, so with the 62, um, being that it was an Arizona car, I know this might be a funny question, but was that an air-conditioned car? It is air-conditioned. does have air conditioning in it. I found out it was a Ford bonus car, so a Ford executive got to order that for a compensation or a bonus, whatever you call it. I had been in Ford, uh, Ford area its whole – I mean, sorry, the uh, Arizona area its whole life. But, uh, yeah, it was an Arizona car, and like I said, it was – I did find the 
the trim tag on it and it was you know originally black with a blue interior which was a little bit weird but uh, yeah it, it works now people really like the interior and that's kind of what i like about lincoln's you know a wide spectrum of colors and especially wide spectrum of interior colors which i i enjoy them i, ju I just enjoy the differences oh yeah now each year's a little bit uh, possibly different i i know from going from memory the DSO or destination sales office that I often talk about on these cars uh, when we're looking at some of the listing reviews on, on Facebook or eBay or primarily now bring a trailer uh, is 75 for Phoenix. And what I wanted to mention to the listeners is that when we talk about the DSO or the destination sales office on one of these cars, Jim mentioned earlier the dry climate, right? And we talked about that in Arizona and you think about California and stuff that 75 DSO for, let's say, Phoenix, if that car really did spend its existence there, that's desirable because of the fact that there's no, you know, typically you're not going to have rust and things like that. I'm sure there's there's cars that potentially have been rusted, you know, there if they sat out and, you know, this and that. But it's so dry, it doesn't rain a lot and all of that stuff. So, you know, I'd like for the listeners to kind of know the importance of sometimes a, a, a destination or district sales office um, that plays a huge role in people wanting one of these cars. Yeah, that's a big deal. And uh, I registered both mine with the Lincoln registry and put the DSO numbers in there. But that's really interesting. Uh, it really is uh, interesting information. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, if you're a true Lincoln person, you, you're always, like you said, you're looking for cool videos. You're watching cool stuff on YouTube. You're checking out Lincoln Attic Podcasts. I mean, who's not? But you you sometimes can't sit still enough and you kind of go you know i've got one uh, how crazy of a person would you have to be to get two right and i'm in that you know kind of wild wild uh wide-eyed scientist type category right but um you didn't stop at just the 62 sedan talk to us a little bit about how the 64 convertible like how that came about as far as you purchasing it where did you have to go to get it Okay, yeah, so it was right around the start of 2020, and I decided, you know, I, I like the Lincolns, I like the convertibles a lot, I like the lines on the convertibles, and especially the convertibles customized, lowered with nice wheels, that type of stuff, they, they're they awesome. So then I just kind of searched for, I wanted a low-mile original car, did a search, and found one at an auto broker in North Phoenix, it was only about 30 miles from me, so mm -hmm. of course you see it on paper, and they're like, what? the hell color is that i don't not sure about it but so then i went up there and looked at it and the still it was pretty nice uh, it was it is a fifty-six thousand mile original cars i have about fifty-eight thousand on it now but it was an original all original it was an arizona car it also came out of the same area as my 62 out of the prescott valley area wow and uh you know i had looked at it and then i you know went home okay i'll think about it and i look and i it's like do i like that color or do i not like that color <laughs> when i was looking at it i really didn't know much about the rarity of it i just thought do i like it or not and then i talked to the guy who was selling at the brokerage and he's like yeah uh, we've had a few people looking at it but they kind of always complain about how much it would be to repaint it they want to repaint it black of course and you know those are probably people thinking they'd want to resell it or something like that so then i would go back i think i went back three times trying to figure out if I liked the color or not like the color. And finally, I decided I'm, I'm going to buy it. It was right at the start of COVID, so no one knew really what was going to happen. 
Sure. It wasn't at the time when COVID, you know, kind of inflated things because people decided to spend all their inheritance money and, you know, we're only going to live once type of thing. But right, right. right at the edge of COVID, people were a little bit nervous. So I think I got a pretty good price for it, bring it home. And then from there, I still wasn't sure about the color, but I did want to change the interior. And I ended up changing the interior. I had Nick Humrick do an interior job for me uh, to a color that I could possibly change it if I wanted to down the road. You know, if I wanted to go black or dark blue, the interior would still work with that. But after I did that interior and then I looked at that LCOC video number one with the lane and then I studied it more, I thought, this is a pretty rare color. I can't paint it. I don't want to paint it. I don't want to paint it anymore. Now I wouldn't even think about it. So that's kind of where I'm at with it is a unique color, non-stock interior, but a very, very nice interior. But and then just it's a, you know, kind of all original as it sits now. So, dude, but I not appreci- all original, but uh, <laughs> yeah, original style. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate you sharing kind of the backstory. It's really neat to hear that these cars can still be gotten. You know, you think back a few years to COVID at the infancy of it. You know, we're talking three, four years ago ish. Uh, these cars can be found, right? And they'll sometimes pop up, and you will find some deals here and there. Now, we want to give a huge shout out to uh, Nick at. Uh, Slab Shack, right, in Arizona. I've been to his, I think he's since moved since I went to one of his shops. I was there traveling during my old career uh, for work, and I was in that area and got a chance to go hang out with him for a day. And Nick, uh, you know, I know you listen. Thank you so much. And uh, I would tell people uh, a quick little uh, deal. If you need interior work, as Jim said, uh, certainly look up Nick at uh, Slab Shack in uh, arizona uh he's on instagram uh slab underscore shack nick humerick as you mentioned now getting back to the car itself that's the cool thing um i gotta give a huge shout out to basil and team when they did that lcoc video i know they've been busy and they haven't really produced they haven't been able to produce a lot of content but that video was really cool and it showed elaine's car and here's something that you know you've seen me post this but I've re- really reinforced as I've kind of researched the G code, that paint code, buckskin metallic as it's called, that code for whatever reason, and, and I haven't been able to you know dig up why this happened, but basically it was discontinued, that color, on November 25th, 1963, and it was replaced by um, burnished bronze metallic a, a P code. And nobody really knows that. And like you said, it may not be the most like the desirable color, but knowing how rare it is, it's like now you're like, dude, I can't change this. Yeah, it's an interest. It's in an interesting spot because yeah, you know, you have to take the car out to car shows, and it looks it's an elegant car, a nice looking car, but it's not really exciting color. The average crowd's not too excited about it, but the people that know Lincoln's really well, or maybe the more purist, do know that it's more rare. And I did get to meet Elaine at a Ratty's event, um, the same one we met at, of course. And um, she, um, <laughs> this is probably a long story, but uh, yeah, I drove up in there and she was in her car and she saw me and she, you could tell she was thinking she was hallucinating or something because she just has not seen any other buckskins in person. And so as soon as we got out and introduced ourselves, <laughs> she marched me right back over to my car and checked my tag personally herself to make sure the paint code was right, that I was not an imposter there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, she, but, uh, yeah, we got to spend identity. the day with her. Yeah. I got to spend the day with her. That was really awesome. Her car is, uh, just top notch, not only, uh, 
a buckskin, a rare car, but it's restored to a very high level. So uh, her car is on a whole different level. Yeah, and I'll share some of the photos. Like I've shared a couple, but I've been waiting, knowing that it's taken a little bit of time. But you know, we're sitting down now with Jim Lincoln, and we're we're getting this done right. We want people to hear the story, and I'll share a couple of the photos that we took out there. You know, hanging with the Raddies in September of 2022. Now, the other cool thing is, like you said, even though Nick redid your interior, the 89 code, which is Palomino pleated uh, design bench seat, that color is the same color. You know, so she, she's got the buckskin and Palomino, and then you've got the buckskin. And really, when you look at your interior, to me, it is flawless. It looks a lot like the Palomino color. Now, I didn't look at it side by side, but I mean, let's be honest, what you did and what, what you had Nick do really to me complimented the car was the interior explained to us was it really thrashed or was it just kind of like you just wanted to update it no that's a really interesting question um yeah it wasn't so thrashed but it definitely wasn't original this the seat cover on it was like a, a naga hide it was kind of a peachy color a very thick naga hide but it's obviously been replaced the door panels kind of faded from the Palomino color, but they went to a tan direction. And then the original factory color of carpet is a little bit of a rust color, reddish brown color, which I didn't really like. So I did kind of go, I did take liberties with that for sure. And uh, yeah, I, I do love the way the interior turned out. And like, yeah, a shout out to Nick again. He does just flawless work. He does not compromise on quality even once. So I do love the interior of it, and you know that's kind of where I'm at is with a original Palomino with a non-original interior. So, yeah, it looks amazing, and we got to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Colorado Custom Wheels. Uh, the ironic thing is, a lot of people think wheels. I don't want need wheels, but don't forget the other wheel on your car, the the fifth wheel, the steering wheel. If I remember correctly, you have that awesome Colorado Custom steering wheel on the car that I'm sure Nick may be installed. Yeah, I do love that wheel, too. I'm a bigger guy, so, you know, those wheels kind of come towards you a little bit when you got a big belly. But, uh, yeah, with that, that wheel on there, it's uh, very comfortable. I do like it. You know, it's a, it doesn't look too uh, out of place as far as, you know, not being stock and uh, covered to match my interior. It's really sharp looking. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, I do not have one of these. Eventually, I'll have to get one. But the horn button, that's the half deal that kind of comes around. And when you push that, um, though I would assume if the horn's working, then the, the horn will sound. Yes, it works. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. Pretty cool. Now, if I'm going from memory and looking at a couple photos, I re I recall that is also an AC car, which I would assume convertible in Arizona. It is an AC car, and I've done some rebuilding on the AC up to this point. I've got a new compressor in, some new hoses, but I've not completed that restoration of it. But, you know, surprisingly in Arizona, you think, you know, if you're going to be in Arizona, you need AC, and for sure in your daily you do, but in the show cars, in the hobby cars, <laughs> a lot of times I don't worry about getting the AC going, just uh, kind of hibernate during the summertime, and whenever it's bearable, go without it. So, But I would like to get it functioning. I would like to get it restored to the point where it's all functional, whether I use it a lot or not. Yeah, I think that's a misconception that people have that, I went to a show literally last weekend here in the greater Tampa Bay area called Made of Steel and went out there, um, went to a, a morning thing so it wasn't as hot. And then I went over to the show and then I came home in the convertible and I haven't finished any of the stuff in my 64. 
And I mean, it was super hot in Florida. You know, it's just beaming, and yeah. you know, it started raining halfway home. So pull over, put the top up. Everything's good there. But when it's so hot, and Jeff Davy at Devious Customs talked about this when I had him on before. You know, he said he he's kind of a sedan guy because he said, you know, it's just so hot sometimes, and sometimes people are like, oh, it's you know, it is cool. You know, I mean, it's like a kind of a magical experience to drive in these convertibles. Like, there's there's no there's no greater feeling. I mean, it's awesome, but you know, when people go, hey, man, Jim, you know, I, it's July 4th. You want to go cruise your car? You're probably a lot like me. You go, eh, I'm going to wait. <laughs> Either at night I might yeah. cruise it or I'm going to wait yeah. till the weather cools off a yeah. little bit. Yeah, it's like, call me in October. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> exactly. They're like, wait, what? But I think that's <laughs> that's one of those things where even if the AC – I've been in cars where the AC works flawless. Tony Bolin uh, and a couple of the cars that he's had and one that he still owns. And, you know, it does – if it's a sedan – you kind of like feel like, oh, okay, it's like a daily driver. You're like, all right, I'm, it, I'm refreshed. But if it's a convertible, man, it's like as good as that AC might be, it's all just kind of blowing right into the wind anyways, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think Bob Dylan, my dad used to say, wasn't it the Bob Dylan song? My The answer, my friend, is just blowing in the wind. Blowing the wind, yeah. Yeah, the good old Bob Dylan. But now you, you kind of hinted earlier, right, with the 62 minor customization right static drop a couple little things you know you've no secret that you said throughout this interview that you kind of like just like we do i mean i like a custom you know here and there some touches the custom car you know i like this stuff do you foresee even with it being a buckskin color like do you foresee doing anything else or is it just nice to be able to get in kind of a stock lincoln for the most part and just enjoy it yeah, that's a good question. I've been back and forth on that one because I would like to have a convertible that's customized more lowered, maybe on bags with custom wheels. This car is so nice. It feels so nice stock. I mean, I've asked myself the question of even if I put airbags on a buckskin, even though the color is still there and still rare, does that you know devalue the car any? Is it a smart thing to do? And you got to weigh that against, you know, it's not like this car is quite like Elaine's car. It's not a show winning completely original. So I kind of am torn with that. But at the moment, it's such a nice driver, completely stock. And I do it mostly a lot of shows, but I take families for riding, or my family for riding it, you know, family and friends for rides. So I just like this one being a stock Lincoln, 100% stock and very, very nice. Uh, but uh, on that same topic, I think my next one would be maybe a 65, maybe blue, and probably customize that one. So I'm still still in the market. Yeah, I, I loved your take on it, Jim, because I've never really broken this down here. But what Jim's saying, I think, is very important. And it, you know, maybe you're someone out there that's listening going, yeah, I want to get me a car. I've seen this one on TV, this and that. There's something to be said about it because, you know, it, it's not cheap to customize the cars. You know, you start going to Devious and buying kits and wheels and stuff. That stuff's going to add up. And then someone that may not have been around air suspension a long time, they may not know some of the ins and outs and some of the, I'll, I'll use the word nuances, right? There's nuances that come with it. But to me, with the red 65 that I bought from Robert, uh, shout out to Robert, it was such a nice car, and I knew that I was going to customize the other one. Now, I know some people are like, oh, I roll. You know, you got two Lincolns. must be nice and all that. But it's like, hey, we work hard for what we got. And I think what I've learned is what you said. There's something to be said about just turning the key and cruising. The Lincolns have enough that we have to kind of keep 
you know, maintained, if you will, right, to keep these cars. They're not like a typical 350 car that you just, you know, a couple little things. There's a lot that kind of goes with them, that Lincoln life, we call it. But I like your take on it. You kind of go, you know, this is this is a nice enough car for me just to cruise. And, and you know this, Jim. These cars are kind of like low slung a little bit anyways. So you kind of have that feeling of it, it's, a, it's a cool low cruiser just stock. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's a special car. And I, I do kind of think this buckskin is a lot like your red. Maybe your red car is a bit nicer, but uh, kind of the same theory. Uh, the stock car is just nice as can be. Yeah, definitely. Now, being that you know, you're know you in the Arizona area and you've got these two cars and obviously it gets really hot there, do you find yourself, like with the 62, do you say, hey, I'm, you know, you're going to cruise it, or do you, are you cruising one more than the other, or do you, are you kind of like me, you do truly wait till it kind of cools off a little bit more? Yeah, I, I kind of wait. Um, I think uh, during the summer, you know, I do things like I think I want to maybe get bumpers re-chromed or peak molding polished or something like that. So I kind of try to think of a project over the summer to do um, why they can just sit in the garage here. Yeah, I like that. Just a couple more questions, and then and then we'll wrap it up here with you, Jim. When you um, when you think of some of the challenges that people have with these cars, like with uh, you know, I often talk about you know, uh, if if there was a spokesperson for a three port fuel pump, you know, a lot of people know, and and I've been told this over the years, and it's been beat in my head. You know, the three ports outweigh the two ports and things like that. Being that it is so hot there. Have you experienced in your time with your cars, I hate to talk about the Lincoln life, but any of the overheating things and things like that, or do you have yours kind of dialed in to a, to an extent that you can feel like you can get from point A to point B without any issues? No, I've been pretty lucky about that. Um, my experience is I've had both radiators completely redone their stock. I have fan shrouds in place. That works well. And also, you know, we talked about Nick Humrick. Not only is he a good interior guy, but he's a really sharp Lincoln guy. And I talked to him about those problems. I've had, you know, three or four different electric fuel pumps on the black car on the 62. It's never left me stranded or nothing. But Nick said, I talked to Nick about it. He just said, just get a good three-port fuel pump. You won't have to worry about it. So I am running three ports on both cars. And that really has eliminated any problem. I haven't had any type of overheating, hard starts, vapor locks, anything like that. But, you know, again, I avoided the very, very hottest stuff. It'll still, you know, run good in the 100 degrees, no problem. But uh, I've been pretty lucky as far as those go. That, that seemed to really solve the problem. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that because what I want people to know is the people like the John Cashmans, the Chris Dunns, the Blair Farmers, you know, these guys that have been around these cars a long time you know, mostly based here right in a small portion of the Tampa Bay area, they have always reinforced that if you think about this, Jim, if you go back to 64, 65, let's just call it the 60s, people drove these cars. You know, a lot of people drove them on Sundays and stuff, let's be honest, but people drove these cars everywhere. You know, it was like a normal car. It was a modern car at that time. And I think the misconception often is that, oh, you know, Lincoln Life, I'm going to break down. I don't want to drive anywhere. You know what? I might as well put another engine I'm all for like, hey, that stuff is cool, but I like to let people know it's not a must. You know, it's not like, you know, you got an old car, you know, I'll hear people say, well, I don't want to get stranded. You can get stranded with a modern engine too, right? We all know that. But I think like what you're reinforcing is the three port, I've always been told, and it's been beat in my head, like I said, that it outweighs the two port. Now, I can't explain it scientifically. I do know that the way it's got the return line built into that third 
support, it does help it. And just for whatever, you know, for the sake of folks here, Lincolns aren't the only cars that experience vapor lock. But the best way it's been explained to me is is the engine bay is getting so hot the way those aprons are. You've got your exhaust. These engines get super hot. There's not a lot of place for that heat to go that's in the engine bay. And then on top of it, if you start to have your fuel lines that come in there and then your fuel pump gets so hot, the um, the fuel starts to basically you know vaporize. So it's not even getting into the engine so it can do its normal you know internal combustion deal. So... Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I would say three ports went out, have the fan shroud if you can. And, you know, some of those things uh, will sometimes even outlast doing kind of some of the resto mod stuff, I would think. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah. And you have to think about these cars when you're seeing a car with 90,000 miles on it. You know, it's not like it was driven, you know, five miles at a time and then parked. You know, that you're right. They were driven long distances on the interstates, across states all the time. Yeah, I've had that pleasure to hanging out with Chris Dunn, the owner of Lincoln Land many times and you know he's like oh, i remember back in 1987 you know i had a customer that needed a car delivered to chicago and i went down and got it and i drove it up there and flew home and it was just like i mean it wasn't it, there wasn't any hesitancy uh of you know saying hey i'm gonna drive across the country you know california chicago it didn't matter it was like hey let's get the job done so that's pretty cool now do you that have do you have any other friends that you want to shout out? I mean, anybody, because, I mean, you'd imagine, I'm sure you got some friends or homies, uh, mechanic friends, that type of thing that you would want to, like, give a big shout-out for maybe helping you over the course of time. There is uh, definitely a couple guys here, and I'm definitely not the main guy in Phoenix for sure. My uh, friend Lee Avila, he runs the Arizona Slab Sides uh, Facebook page. Thank goodness I'm not too good at social media, and uh, he's a real talented painter. Uh, of course, I mentioned uh, Cedric, a real good friend as well. Um, I have a new friend that moved here from California about three years ago. His name is Anthony Dickey. He uh, has Dickey's Garage. and uh, yeah. He's just a general mechanic, but he's also a Lincoln guy. He has a couple Lincolns himself, and uh, he works on uh, Lincolns locally. And that's been really fun because you know his shop is close to my place, and so after my day of my normal job, I get to go over to his place and see what he's working on and kind of you know, taking inventory of what Lincolns are around and what he's doing to his car, but uh, a really good guy, hard worker, and uh, just uh, like uh, really lucky to have him as a friend. Yeah, Dickie's Garage Inc. underscore. So all together, Dickie's Garage Inc. You'll see it if you type that in Instagram. He recently completed or kind of put together a, a red 64, kind of a, a color you don't see a lot of. It was kind of a little darker red, but um, a red 64 sedan pretty cool it was really cool it was amazing that you know he we took that to the vegas raddies event that was a great time but yeah he put that car uh it came a long ways in just a couple of weeks uh a lot of fun i helped a little bit but uh it was really impressive work yeah and it's pretty cool because the world we live in now with social media and youtube and you know internet and all that you have a lot of talented guys a lot of younger guys too right that aren't afraid you know, when I was younger, my dad wasn't a guy that, you know, was getting out there changing his own brakes. It's just I didn't, you know, he that wasn't him. He was working, putting food on the table for the fam and doing that. But now, you know, there's so many talented guys, and I see on Dickie's Garage, you know, doing um, little shop manufacturing. They've been around for years, Eric Saliba, you know, installing the like a big brake kit on a car, you know, kind of modernizing some of that, making it a little safer, I guess, in, in some ways, right, slicing and dicing it. But 
that's the cool thing. There's a lot of talented people. I know Richard at Suicide Slabs has done a great job over the years of really highlighting a lot of people, um, you know, talented folks, shops, do it yourself for guys and that type of thing. I know the Raddies, Suicide Kings, uh, as well as Jesse with the Lincoln Life folks. Um, everybody's kind of doing their part to highlight different folks. But I tell you what, Jim, there's a lot of good people out there, especially in the Lincoln community. And um, it's cool that you said that about your, you know, some of your friends and, and the guys that have helped you. Yeah, awesome guys. I like I said before, I really love the brotherhood of the of the Lincoln community. Now, before I'm going to ask you in a minute if you've got anything else, maybe that we've forgotten that we haven't talked about. But why don't you give a shout out to your family, man? Yeah, you know, if for me, it's just me and my wife. We've been married for quite a few years. I have a lot of nieces and nephews uh, locally. Um, all our family pictures. I have the kids sitting in the convertible are uh, in the '62 when they were younger, and then. Uh, Fast forward about 10 years later, I put them all in the same positions, put them in the car, but the, my nephews look like they're in the back of a cop car, so that looks a little bit weird. But anyway, the, the Lincoln's part of the family. The kids are all doing good, so really fortunate. My mom's still alive and doing well, so uh, yeah, uh, everybody's doing good here. Yeah, that's awesome, and I, get, I got a chance to meet your lovely wife. She was so It was a pleasure to talk with her out there in September last year, and if all goes well, I'll hopefully make the, uh, the trip. Uh, from Florida out to uh, California again this September. We got to kind of dial all that in. Um, I know you said 65 earlier, just for those at home. Uh, a couple cool things about 65 that I'll say is the production started on August 3rd, 64. It went till July 9th, 65. You had uh, 36,824 sedans. 3,356 verts and 50 limos in 65. So cool stuff. Uh, Jim, anything else or any other shout outs? Um, anything else we maybe missed as far as the interview? I really appreciate you sitting down with us, man. Oh, thank you. No, it was a great time. And probably the last thing I would say is uh, thanks again to the Raddies for uh, all the hospitality and kindness and good times at the Raddies events. I'd probably encourage anybody that wanted to go check one out. It's a, uh, always a great time and like rusty always says you know we're family they sure treat you well they're just good people yeah there's always lots of laughs good times opening the doors to their own homes to say hey come on in good people and that's what i love about the lincoln community there may have been this kind of continental shift over the past i guess pun intended the last few years i know you know for a long time it was kind of the some elderly folks that would really love these cars and we've seen that shift over the past 20 years or so uh, to a good mix, right, of, of folks, even me, I'm getting a little bit older each day, but certainly there's one love, like Jesse always says, from Lincoln Life, there's one love, that Lincoln love. So, uh, Jim, thanks again, man, our friend, Jim Lincoln. Uh, check him out. Uh, give out your, in. well, let me, you know what, I give out your Instagram name. Um, every time I go on Instagram, if I type in uh, Jimmy.Lincoln.505, I know you're not a big poster, uh, but I think that's your Instagram, right? <laughs> If you say it is, yeah, I think so. But yeah, I'm not too good at that stuff. Sorry about that. But uh, yeah, no problem. And if you look at his, that's what it is. If you look at his profile, you'll see some of the videos and photos that we've tagged him in. Of course, with this podcast, we'll also be promoting his cars. Uh, thank you so much, Jim. Stay on the rise, and uh, we'll hit you soon with another episode. And we hope to see you out maybe at the next Rowdy's event. Hey, thanks, Jason. Thanks for all you do too. I appreciate it. You're welcome, my friend. <laughs>